Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and, of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Roll with Adventure's campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass and I'm the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This episode begins mid-afternoon on Murgastam, the 4th of Lyonnais in the year 1083 PR, outside the Tenorian Abbey, where our heroes have just saved some of the monks from a gruesome demise. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, how dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? I have been training new trainees at my work. It is going pretty good. They're doing really well. On the other hand, uh, I wrote a training plan, and yet I still cannot say a complete sentence to them without backtracking four or five times. As per, I mean, really, that's a, God damn it, Brian. <laughs> I can't finish a sentence without backtracking to, like, add context or tell more, tell different stories or uh, try and put it in a different way before I finish putting it the first way so that they definitely are going to understand maybe. But maybe I should put it the first way, too. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm not particularly mentally dexterous this week or last week or maybe even the week before that. Uh, so I'm going to take a minus one because it's not debilitating. It's just annoying probably just to me honestly speaking of mental dexterity i took uh just a few moments ago what was supposed to be a 15 minute nap that uh quickly extended into a two-hour nap and ate to the beginning of session so i'm going to also take a penalty for uh lack of uh mental dexterity there is that a minus one or a minus two i'm just gonna go with a minus one I am getting so good at crocheting these hexagons that I feel like a crocheting pro, even though I am so far from being a crocheting pro. This is my first crocheting project. But I can do this one thing real darn good, so I'm going to take a plus two. Also, you're a witch. <laughs> Wait, why? Because you, well, you keep casting hexes. Uh, oh. Pay attention. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Yeah. I feel like I've been pretty straight down the middle this week so far nothing noteworthy so i'm just gonna take whatever i roll with that let's see what you roll total of two uh total of one roll the two i got 13 hi i'm ali i'm playing quarry anacolathi bow stuke base a goliath paladin and an interesting thing about Kawari is that they have hunted with the Paladins of Ashen, also known as the Pallid Champions. The goal of the Pallid Champions does align fairly closely with the Protectors of Dusk. Kawari is a Protector of Dusk. Both of them seek undead and attempt to destroy evil. When Kawari was traveling with Stefan, they were joined for a time by a Paladin named Lucas. They came across a vampire who was 
feeding on willing victims and animals. And Stephen and Quarry were going to put the vampire out of her misery, but Lucas stopped them because paladins of Ashen do not harm undead that are doing no harm. Um, and Quarry, still being in training, wasn't quite sure how to handle the situation, but Stefan told Quarry that it was better not to fight with their allies, so they let the vampire be. But if they ever came across the vampire again, then they would do their duty. And that is a story about Quarry. Hello, I am Sasha, and I play Scalith, the half-elven bard who was raised by and can speak to ghosts. And my fun fact about Faelith this week is that uh, Faelith believes that toenail clippings carry great power. Uh, so she always buries hers uh, after she has done a bit of toe grooming. That is gross. I mean, not the bearing. But you know, at least she's not taking them with her, like the teeth. Uh, yeah. Did you read I that? could have said she has a pocket full of every time she ever clipped her toenails, but I didn't. It's terrible. I didn't say that. I, which I very much appreciate. Did you read The Wasp Factory by Ian Banks? No. There's a weird character. The main character collects his toe jam and then his fingernail clippings, I think. That's gross. Yeah, super, super gross. But that's definitely what that made me think of. Well, alrighty then. My name is Brian. And I'm at MindOverBrian on both Twitter and Twitch. Although on Twitch, I spell it with a zero. You can usually catch me on Mondays and Wednesdays, and sometimes Sundays. Um, I'm playing Melian Barebone, a changeling barbarian, who usually looks like a bearded half-elven young man who has a uh, red hair and a red beard, but a scar curving, a noticeable scar curving from his, along his cheek, or from his upper lip, and clipping the tip off of his right ear. Um, and of interest is that where Melian is from, um, the last names are earned. They aren't shared among family members, um, except in some extenuating circumstances, which sometimes represents a significant and dedicated line, uh, but usually they're earned. So, uh, while Melian's last name is Barebone, his twin brother's last name is Silvergrowl, his mother's last name is Bigcoat. And his father's last name is Arctic Bone. My name is David, and I play Jovan Savage Cooperson, a human scholar. Uh, my fun fact is that Jovan didn't get into a fight for the first time until he was 12 years old, and it was with the first priest he saw at the Abbey of True Solace. He lost terribly. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. I have a good feeling about this session. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more optimistic ones. Yeah, I feel like good things are coming our way. Got that IRL bardic inspiration. Our session begins with the same phrase uttered to end the last. Praise be to the Celestial Triad. Truly you are heroes. Liana, Gnosis, and Soul have answered our prayers. They have sent us saviors, my brothers. The man who speaks to your group is an elderly human, 
garbed in the slightly more ornate robes of this order that mark him likely as the abbot of the Tenorian Abbey. It appears that age has not been kind to this man. He has a strong jaw and a hooked but crooked nose, belying that it was likely broken at some point in his past. Perhaps in his youth these features would have given strength to his countenance, but in his old age they make him look like a withered root vegetable. A few unruly stray strands of white hair fall over his face, getting in his eyes and blocking his vision that he quickly bats away. Those of you who were paying attention or looking over the unconscious woman in Putrelax's laboratory, or who have had interactions with her before in your backstory, will note a similarity between their features, perhaps belying some kind of connection or close kinship. He stands from where he kneels praying, and quickly closes the distance to you. We are in your debt, but we must move quickly. There are children imprisoned in the catacombs below, and four vile necromancers command the damned. One has even made their way to the town below and has not yet returned. We must capture them post-haste. Uh, no, the one to the town is dead. And as is the one in the catacombs. And the children safe. However, we have not yet accounted for the remaining two, the woman and the one with her. Yes, the woman and her attendant. I'm, I'm glad to hear that the town is not in danger. Do you know where we can find the woman? I wish that we may deal with her and her attendant, as you say, before we pause to discuss. When the, when the control and the voices left us, when, it was, when we were suddenly sent spiraling, we recovered quicker than the undead. And as such, we quickly fled. I did not see her. And I fled from within the rectory. My brothers, did you know, Abbot? Are they resounding answers that you hear? But one says, The last I saw of her, her and that bodyguard, they were up in the observatory. But when everything, when, we, when control was lost, I stumbled, I, I fell, and by the time that I came to, she wasn't there. Is the only exit from this area the main gate? You can either go out the main gate, the abbot says to you, and down the cliffs, or he points, you can go out that way. It goes further up into the mountains, but it is rather inhospitable. Um, Especially yeah. with the thin snow that blankets the ground now. It will only be deeper, higher up. So that's not uh, just in terms of directions, because we know which way the um, the lady with the skin condition went. That's not the same way, right? Up into the mountains? Uh, going into the mountains is going east. East or northeast. 
the lady with the skin condition, the town folk said that she went north. Is that the direction of the main gate? Uh, the main gate is to the west, technically. Based off of how this is oriented on a cliff. Seeing as they wouldn't have had much time to gather supplies for a trek into the cold mountains, perhaps we should check out the main gate. The abbot points, and if you turn, you can actually see the main gate from where you are. Coral take off at a bit of a jog and open the gate to look out. Looking out across the cliff from the main gate, you can survey the entirety of the Dwemerlands below. They stretch out, mostly dense wood, the dense woodlands of eastern Darkling Forest, that stretch all the way from the Shriekers, of which you are on, all the way out to the Dwemer Mount, as it juts unnaturally up from the very face of the land, like the lost spine of a great beast. And to the south of the Dwemer Mount, you can see prairie-like plains that give way to rolling steeps. As you look out, you can further see that there is a winding trail that heads off. This likely would have been the way that you would have had to come up, or that you would have come up by cart. It looks like you'd pretty much be able to see almost all the way down to the bottom if you went up to the edge of the cliff. Are you going to? Yep. As you look down, wind buffets you. Chilling. And there's almost a moment of vertigo as it goes very far down. But you can see the crisscrossing path as it goes down, and you don't see anyone walking it. Nor do you see any footprints in the snow. You see simply the wagon tracks from earlier today. One set. I don't see anyone. Perhaps we should search the abbey. I'll call back to my comrades and then walk back towards them. It's likely. When the control faltered, it's more likely she would have gone to see the cause, I think, than to immediately flee. Then we should return to the children. Quarry will look at the abbot and say, Can you leave some here to watch the gates and alert us if anybody attempts to leave? Of course. The abbot points to two of the brown-robed Norian monks and makes a curt motion towards the gate, as well as towards the gate that goes out the back and up into the mountains. Guard them both. The abbot points to the decaying bodies of the undead that are scattered about. While you watch, make sure to push them together. We will burn them. If they rise again, or you see the woman or her bodyguard, get back inside as quickly as possible. But scream as you do so, so that we may hear you. You see one of them this one, also a human, sort of tall, gangly, with a really, really lean build that was 
sort of almost looks like he's sickly. Like, his pallor, his skin is pale. Uh, it gives you a sort of almost half military salute, as if perhaps from years of service before his health began to deteriorate. Good man, I give him a nod. And back inside, we must go. And the abbot sort of ushers you back into the abbey. You think that she would have descended down into the depths. If she did that, she would have passed us, no? Is there another way down? Well, the abbey is riddled with various sets of stairs scattered throughout it. There are the stairs over here. And he points down to the stairs that you came up. Those stairs connect down into the catacombs the basement level but there is another set of stairs on the far side of the tower that also goes down to the basement level it is also the same stair though that goes up into the second story and then once you're onto the second story there are multiple sets of stairs scattered throughout the entire building I'm hesitant to suggest that we split up, and yet there seems to be much ground to cover. I will head down to the catacombs and ensure that she is not there. I will meet you at the stairs to the tower. Excellent. I'll go up to the observatory. I think I have the best chance of getting out of there if it gets hairy. Perhaps I should begin a room-by-room search in case they are hiding. And he'll gesture to the young lady. And what, what will you do, young lady? Faileth, perhaps you should stay with the abbot. You are not looking well. I think I'm mostly fine. Well, if you are well, then you should accompany me. All right. That way I can keep an eye on you. The monks are not wearing those crown things anymore, right? They are not. They've been discarded. I toss one of a pair of whistles at Quarry, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll give it a pop. If I run into trouble, Quarry, you do the same? Of course. Alien, I'm going to trust on that. You got a good pair of lungs. If you holler, we'll come running. Excellent. I will hold you to that, friend Yovan. Let's start with Yovan, because he's going to be running up as fast as possible to get to the top. And then we'll go to Quarry, and then we will do the basement last. Oh. That's incredibly <laughs> ominous. That where the trouble lies? I don't know. Okay, Yovan. So you begin to run up. You run through this lower level, and you come to a spiraling staircase that takes you up into the second story. The second story, it opens out into a large scriptorium. It is a very large room that clearly is one layer of this tower, of one of the towers composing this abbey. Along one wall, wrapping is a massive, uh, like, almost desk that has inkwells and stools sitting in front of it. And hanging from the walls are a few tapestries that are being cast in the wind that comes in, that is coming through a few small open windows. This room is really chilly, and you can see that paper has been strewn about. Clearly, they did not what under the domination they did not care about what else was going on here with that 
following the brother, you charge through some doors, passing by some smaller rooms that he quickly points off, saying, these are our, uh, these are the chambers that we primarily stay in. And then you open into a door, open a door that goes out into the cold again, and you are in a, a raised up, almost, garden. It clearly is a, more like a, a garden that's for reflection, uh, with crenellated walls that come just high enough to still block the wind. And as you quickly go through this path, you see a fountain that has partially frozen before you're ushered into a foyer, which is a, a massive circular room. It's wide and it's massive, with illuminated stained glass windows that line the walls going up 20 feet, and even higher up, above that, there's a section where it is just stone and then a window a massive window that must be the abbey's observatory's oculus as you quickly cross this floor to the, the staircase that wraps up around the edges of it you can see motes of dust dancing in the shafts of light as the wind coming in from behind as the door is closed with a shutter scatters them through the air. Your feet, they make a sharp staccato beat as they pound on the flagstones that are worn and cracked with age. And as you're charging up the uh, stairs, you see that there are three large tapestries that are hang at this level. Clearly what looks like almost perhaps depicting the celestial triad. But you don't stop to look at them. You continue to go up, and it wraps up and around as you come up to the third floor. This floor is just a half, sort of, almost a balcony that looks down onto the next floor, and while the stairs don't continue to wrap up, you see a set of stairs inset off to one side that spiral up and as you charge up those ones, you come out onto a wide balcony that cuts this level of the observatory in half, leaving the far side completely open to the floors below as you saw as you looked up. Offset from the center of the dome in this room, overhead is a massive oculus window that allows a shaft of light to descend directly down to the edge of the balcony where four complex telescopes are arrayed along the edge that are aimed out towards the oculus and what might be seen beyond that at night. Next to each telescope stands a table with parchment, some blank, others bearing star charts, as well as quills and inks. Comfortable chairs are arrayed around the room, though in the center, between the telescopes, the balcony comes out into a small point, and upon a table of marble sits a small, strange contraption of orbs and bands of metal with gears and lenses. At the back of this balcony, tapestries adorn the wall, depicting the celestial triad and other deities that helped them in what clearly was the ordering of the night sky at the beginning of time. Looking about, you don't see anything. You don't see anything that's amiss. It looks like these, from the 
where there is dust on the ground in places that you've come through, this area was clearly used while the monks were under the domination of the cult. Clearly, they had been looking, utilizing their skills for something. Off of here, there is a door, and there appears to be another staircase that wraps, that goes further up, likely to a tower above, perhaps into open air, and then there is another door. What would you like to do? I nod to the other door and turn to the monk that's accompanied me. What's behind there? It's uh, Aaron. That one, and he points to the first door. That's the abbot's quarters. And then he points to the other door and says, uh, that's the infirmary. Uh, we haven't really had need to use it for quite a while, though. You check the infirmary. I'll check the abbot's quarters. Assuming we find nothing, we'll go up. And then, uh, yo, don't do just that. Okay, you're going to check the abbot's quarters. And uh, directing the, the monk to check the infirmary. He will open the door and look in, and then he'll step into the room, and you hear the patter of his feet as he looks around and peeks under beds. Uh, you hear him bump into a metal bedpan, perhaps at one point. As you open the door to the abbot's bedchamber, it's quite well appointed. The room is large, and there is a single window off to one side, arched and leaded, that is draped to put this room mostly in a half-shadow. You can see that there's a fireplace off to one side that does not appear to have been lit. And give me a perception check. That's a 15, so a 14. You can smell two different smells. You can smell the musky smell of leather, like old leather armor, as well as the smell of perfume, a lady's perfume, as you step into the room. Continuing to look about, there's a larger four-poster bed that appears to have a... have been hastily uh, like pulled back as if someone was looking for something. And there is a chest of drawers next to it that has both, that has all of its drawers pulled out, and their contents scattered onto floors. As well as a bookcase that has also various books scattered onto the floor. So, what would you like to do? Just to confirm, and when you say the bed is being pulled back, do you mean the covers or the entire frame? It looks like the covers have been pulled back. Hastily. How airtight are the doors? The door that you just went into? The one I just came in. Oh, so you're, you want to close it? Yeah, I want to close it, uh, assuming that it'd be anything like airtight, or at least stop the yeah, breeze from getting in. It definitely stops the breeze from getting in. After I close it, are the papers on the floor still moving? To be honest, when you opened it, mm -hmm. nothing moved at that point either. Wind, ever since the door in the foyer got closed, really it's just been whatever has... the wind that you guys have made in your movement. All of this was clearly scattered before you got here. Can I track down the source of the perfume, or is it just sort of purveying the entire room? Give me an investigation check. Gotcha, gotcha. 
That's a nat 20. You can smell some of the perfume clinging to the bed as if whoever was wearing it had been sleeping in it. But as you are looking around, you are following your nose and you find that actually it, it appears that a perfume bottle had been knocked off the chest of drawers and had landed on some of the blanket that had pooled off the side of the bed. It hadn't broken, but its stopper had come off a bit. I'm going to do uh, one last circle through just because this abbey seems to be filled with hidden doors and such. Based on um, the room outside of this and the one adjoining it, is there any unaccounted for spaces around the room um, that could potentially be a tunnel or a secret passage? Give me a masonry tools with advantage. 16 and a 2. I will take the 16. There's no associated skill with that, is that? So just proficiency, so it'll be 18. As you're going along one of the walls, you note that the bookcase is actually built fused to the wall. How quickly could I clear off the bookcase without doing harm to the books? Oh, the bookcase has already been cleared. To be honest, the way that the books are scattered on the floor almost looks like someone threw the bookcase open with force. I give it an exploratory tug? It doesn't budge. Okay. And there's nothing left else on the bookcase? There doesn't appear to be. I'm going to uh, inspect the edge of the uh, bookcase to, to see where it's fused into the wall and see where the most likely a spot for a mechanism to open it would be. That's As you valid. run your hand along, you find a, a place where there's almost a knot in the wood, but the knot appears to have been removed and put in again. And you press, and you hear a click. I give another tug on the bookcase. You tug open into what appears to be the library. This appears to be the second, the other tower that rises up. Basically, the abbey is composed of like two towers and a larger, and a larger building that comes off of it. Uh, and this apparently is a secret door that allows entrance from the abbot's room into the next level. I'm going to go and grab the other priest before I go on, um, just so I have a second pair of eyes with me, and then I'm going to go through. Grab him and he goes, oh, wow, I didn't know that there was a door here. I don't even think the abbot knows. Things like these, um, yeah, just assume every wall is a door till proven otherwise. Well, uh, he points over to a, the only door out of here. Uh, looking about, you can see that there are bookcases lining the majority of the walls. Even the wall that you are coming in through has a bookcase on it. There are a couple tables as well as some chairs, and there is a single door aside from the secret door that you have come through. And he points to that and says, the stairs, just like the other set of stairs that we, that we could have gone up, go up to the next uh, level, to the top of this tower up to the chapel and then further up to the open air. Right. Uh, can I see the entirety of the library from Vantage Point? Uh, you, If you move a little bit, there's only one corner of it that you can't see currently. 
because of the way the abbot's room is constructed. Before doing anything else, I'll just check in the corner there. It would be terribly embarrassing to have her just hide and sneak out after I went past. There is... There does not appear to be a person hiding there. Okay. I'm going to go to the stairs, um, have the priest start going down um, and, and checking to see if there's been any evidence of somebody rushing through, and then I'm going to go up. So you want him to go down and you to go up? Yep. Okay. You come up into what is clearly a chapel devoted to the Celestial Triad. Uh, you can see that there are carved statues adorning the majority of this room. There is anywhere that is, there is a window, it is inset with stained glass in the image of one of the Celestial Triad or of a figure perhaps from the uh, history of this order. And you can see very large sitting on the altar for this chapel a circle with a six-pointed star upon it and inside that star a sun being half eclipsed by a moon the symbol of the celestial triad there are pews six in total as well here and a quick look past them you don't see anyone hiding there and there's no other exits from this, just the stairs up and the stairs down? Just this. This also connects to the other set of stairs. The ones that you could have taken to go up from the observatory. So clearly you're meant to be able to access the chapel from both sides. Both sides of the abbey, no matter what. Not a whole lot of reason for her to go up if it were to go through the library before she went up. Might as well be thorough. I'll finish it and go up to the open air. You go up to the open air, and this is a wind-swept tower top. Uh, to be honest, it's pretty much just a rim around a dome. Likely the access up here is to ensure that if the tower dome was damaged, they would be able to access it for repairs. Are you going to circle around the whole tower? Yeah, I'm going to do a circle around the whole tower, and while I'm doing so, I'm going to keep an eye on the, from the vantage point up here, the outside of the chapel, to see if there's anyone clambering across roofs or um, the exterior of the, the building. You don't see anyone clambering across roofs or the exterior of the building. You don't see any footprints in the snow, even, that's up here. And give me a dexterity acrobatics check uh, so it's gonna be an 11 uh, so 14 there's about three different moments up here where you almost slip but are able to grab hold of something but you make it away all, all the way to the other tower other set of stairs that go down from this tower all right I'm gonna catch up with the uh, the priest that I sent down the stairs by the library as you get down to the library level, he comes back up going, I, I don't see them. I don't... I'm sorry. Good, well. Let's meet up with the others. Just uh, right this way, let's just go back through the observatory and make sure that we lock up. Of course. 
as you go through the observatory, uh, there are five tapestries scattered throughout this room. The first of the five tapestries shows Gnosis, the curator of dreams, opening his voluminous purple and black robes to create the very canvas that would become the night sky. The second shows Morgan, the forge lord, crafting a sphere of shimmering gray metal in its first panel that he offers up to Sol in the second and is hung in the sky as the moon in the third panel. The third tapestry is a single panel, predominantly colored in blacks and blues, but depicts a night sky that is assaulted by a brilliant swath of red, shaped to resemble a twin-tailed comet. Various constellations can be seen, particularly in the background. And stitched along the bottom of this one is the phrase, Our gaze unceasing to await the sign. The fourth tapestry shows Liana sitting by a pool of reflective water. In the water are stars, while none shine in the sky. But the motes of light in the pool in the next panel seem to float up into the sky, becoming the stars in the final. And the fifth panel depicts the three celestial divines standing in the dark eternity of night, arrayed around a circle of green and blue. They each hold a hand towards the center, their holy symbols held aloft in each hand, in that hand, while the other hand appears to hold up the sky. Is there a space where a sixth tapestry could have been? You do not see a space for a sixth tapestry, but the way that the Celestials are arranged in the fifth one is very reminiscent of the shrine in the catacombs. But in these, they are each holding something in their hand. Remind me what each is holding. Each of them is holding their holy symbol. I'll throw that away. With that, you, I guess, will spiral down the stairs back heading towards your companions Kawari you're up next before we start can I ask you a quick question yes that twin-tailed comet did that remind Yovan of anything that he had seen recently huh it's interesting that you'd ask that perhaps he'll remember it I'm assuming it's the same one that's on Corey's, painted on Corey's shield, yeah? There and is a twin-tailed red comet painted on Corey's shield. Interesting. I'd assumed it was just one of the symbols of Sol, to be honest. Hmm. Perhaps you should ask Quarry where they found their... where they got their shield from. Maybe I will. Quarry. Mm-hmm. You come to... You're going through this through the lower level with the abbot mm-hmm. carefully walking behind you yep. as you're going through this level a lot slower you're able to see that the flagstones are quite dirty and mm-hmm. they rotate in an order of white black blue white black blue and they're worn and they're faded. Mm-hmm. As you push doors open, 
you find that most of these rooms are very dusty, and the abbot explains that this floor is mostly monastic cells that they had previously, in when the order was much larger than it is now, would have also housed members of the order. But since they are so few, they only reside, they generally only reside in the upper levels. Mm. As such, this level has primarily been, to his chagrin, uh, neglected. Mm. Give me a investigation check, please. It's a seven. As you're going through, you can see some of the footprints where Yovan had run through this lair. Mm-hmm. In others, though, you can't really tell. There's scuff marks in places, but you, you can't tell if someone else came back this way. Mm-hmm. And you make your way across these lower cells. None of them have unusually disturbed dust in the rooms. As you open each door, they they almost appear to be in pretty much the same state. They have unwanted furnishings in some. Others have old curtains or piles of fabric. Even piles of monks' habits that are threadbare and are large holes in them that couldn't have been repaired. So kind of like storage room junk closet kind of... Yeah. Okay. And... Looking at these piles, they're quite faded, and they're covered in dust. In some places, the fabric, the folds of it, are is cracking even, mm. and falling apart from age. Poor quarry, they're so ready to face off against a necromancer, and all they've got is dust. Yes, quite a bit of dust. Maybe it would be more significant. <laughs> Perhaps she could read it. Ooh... After a time, you continue through. You go up the same stairs, and you come into the large scriptorium. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about at this point that Jovan rejoins you. Okay. Coming into the room. And we will deal with what happens next, after Melian and Faileth descend into the crypts below. You first descend into the upper lair. These twisting tunnels that eventually, you know, connect down into the catacomb, the first layer, the catacombs below. Can you give me a tracking, a survival check to see mm-hmm. if you get lost in this layer of tunnels? <laughs> or if it takes you just a bit longer to get down? Just Melian or both of us? An 11. How about... Faileth, you can aid Melian in this. Uh, so roll a, D- roll a d20, and if you get above a 10, we'll give Melian advantage. 17. Melian, you have advantage. Ooh, 20 then. It is pretty quick. You remember the directions that you'd followed up through these layers quite easily until you get back down and you come down into the basement into the crypt level, and you know that you can go left or you can go right, and both sides will wrap around to where Putrelax's chamber was. Are you going to go left or right? I always go right, because you can't be wrong if you're right. (laughs) So, you go to the right, 
and as you come along, you come to that section where it goes off a bit to the side, and you can see an iron, a wrought iron gate. Uh, Romp had informed you that down that direction uh, was the crypt of some of the abbots. This is where many abbots have been laid to rest over the years. But continuing past that, you come to a corner. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Before and... we continue past it, I want to check it to ensure it's still locked. Okay. You go up to it, and you see that it is not locked. Uh, do I remember whether it was locked last time we came by? I'm pretty sure it was. If I remember correct, you didn't actually check. We were sort of... We were rushing to finish the episode. Uh, ah. To get you guys to the... To Putrelax's chamber, so you did. We didn't check this room. Is it visibly like just a room past there, or is it like there's more corridors? There does not appear to be other corridors, but there's a couple different niche, like sarcophagi that are set into the walls, containing the uh, various abbots from over the years. Does it look like a place someone might hide if they were trying to avoid being caught by the heroes that are about here to kill them? Quite possibly. All right, well, then I'm, we have to go in and check it. Give me an investigation check. And, Faileth, uh, you can as well if you'd like. Eh. Is there anything you would like to do as well during this? I mean, Faileth will just follow Melian, but if he's looking, she'll look too. Hopefully better, because I got a four. My dice are hot tonight, apparently. Investigation is plus four. So, 22. <laughs> as you go... About this room, you can see that in some places, uh, blunt instruments have been taken against these sarcophagi as if trying to get them open, but that in general, you don't see any that have been opened. You see one that the top was cracked, and it appears that the uh, top section of it was pulled away, and the corpse inside it was exhumed. Perhaps one of the corpses that is the bolts in Putrelax's chamber if he was experimenting with dead clerics. But otherwise, as you would search around, you don't see what looks like any super recent tracks in the dust here, or places that someone could hide. Excellent. Well, alright then. Let me continue on. As you continue on, you hear Romp loudly exclaim, Where did you come from? Get back! And the sound of a body striking the floor. In which case, Melian will gesture to Faileth to stay low, and then also make himself small. Uh, so uh, essentially Faileth just exactly will like Faileth. Get on her belly and do like... Too, too low, too low. <clears throat> I'm being uh, Melian does not look back though, so he has no idea that that's what she's doing. <laughs> so crouched, and then now I'm in the billowy black robe that's way too big for me, and uh, will creep forward. Melian, you come into the chamber of Putrelax's laboratory. It's mostly dark, aside from the candles and torches that Romp has lit. He appears to have lit the majority of the ones around. And you can hear the children crying, and a female voice that tells them to be silent. And then the sounds of someone rifling through things. Can you give me a stealth check? A <laughs> 13. Uh, Melian's also going to lean over and go, Faileth, do you have a spell that can make a lot of noise? 
Yes! Well, now is the time. Okay. Oh, and I press to digitate uh, the sound of, like, a stack of river rocks falling over. As that sound starts to issue, you see Melian from your vantage point as you are slowly making your way towards the where Putrilax's body had fallen, a figure stand up. They are hooded, but their cloak is, their robe is open in front of them, and they are garbed in tight-fitting leather armor. This kind of armor you would have seen typically on a mercenary. Ooh. And you hear a voice. A voice that you never thought you were going to hear again. Cece, get the body and get us out of here. We have enemies incoming. The voice of Tybalt sells glove. Ah, damn it. You hear another familiar voice say, Just a moment, Tybalt. Just a moment, my love. And you see a small halfling woman stand up. Cece Clystock. Or as you knew her. Cold hands. Cold hands. God damn it. Are you going to do anything or do you wait a moment? Uh, when the noise goes off, I hop up onto the table, very Peter Pan-like. And I go, stop right there, Red Exiles. Oh, no, wait, I've got to do Phyllis' accent badly. Stop right there, uh, Red Exiles. <laughs> oh, that's supposed to be me. <laughs> oh, insulted, no. You see Tybalt raise his fists, and you see the brass knuckles. That he is, that you knew him so well for. But now looking at him in the light, you see like a cut that goes across him, and his skin is very pale. He does not. He doesn't look like he's alive. And then you hear a few brief words, and there is a sudden thump. And Cece and Tybalt and the body of Putrilax are gone. You see Romp laying off to one side. It appears that he took a punch from Tybalt's brass knuckles. And the kids are terrified curled up in their cages. They have crawled back into them. It looks like Estrella is still unconscious. That poor lady. Alright, well. Faileth, we should see to that... To, to Romp. Don't, Not William. Don't do Robert. that, no... No. Uh, no. Yeah, Melian resumes his regular shape. Who are those people? They were mercenary companions I used to know. Although oh, I, I do not remember them having that kind of magic. If they were your old friends, why didn't you say hi to them in your own voice? Faileth, do you remember that I once spoke of how no one from my old life would recognize me? Aye, because you can change your face and stuff? Yes. There is one shape that I have yet to figure out how to achieve, which is the shape I had before you met me. Oh, really? 
Indeed, they would not have recognized me, no matter what I, no matter what form I took. For the only form they would recognize is one I cannot take. Oof, that got complicated quick. Well, that's too bad. I had hoped to stun them with my knowledge of their old allegiance, as I do not believe I saw the Red Exiles crossed flags. Right. Okay, I guess I better check on the children. You lot all right in there? Uh, is 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 the is, is the guy with with is is the guy with the dead eyes gone? Yep. <laughs> totally gone. You guys are fine. Uh, I can check on Romp. Romp has a nasty indent on the side of his face, and his cheek is torn a bit, where it looks like Tybalt slugged him. He's bleeding a bit. He looks like he's just been knocked out cold, though. Doesn't look like he's dead, and doesn't look like he's in danger of dying either. Because we're pretty sure that the Melian's going to throw Romp over his shoulders uh, in like a fireman carry, and then say to Faileth, uh, we are likely in more danger than we realize. We should bring the children up to the surface. Okay. With us. Come on, kitty winkies. We're going upstairs. Say goodbye to your cages. As the kids are saying goodbye to their cages, uh, you see Estrella start to come to, uh, blearily looking around. And when she sees you, she goes, Who are you? Uh, my name is Melian, and this is Faileth. If you would Hello. like to live, come with us. And Melian will... <laughs> with, he can't put the guy down, so he's, like, awkwardly gonna draw his sword and then, like, cut her bonds. Like, skillfully enough that he's not gonna cut her, but, like, it's clearly not graceful as he sort of, like, edges around with a guy over his shoulders. I hope you can walk. I'm weak, but I I can walk. She looks over at some of the children and and calls to them by name, and a few of them come over. Uh, Two young boys. uh, One called... Uh, Matthew and another called Cole that come over to help her. And she says, You're such good boys. Thank you. And as you're going up, she starts to ask you, What what happened? Uh, before we leave, Melian will like call a quick, like, All right, everyone. There are likely no enemies, but it is possible that we will run into necromancers. Should that happen, I want you all to fade into as much of the background as you can, and I will attempt to slay them while you flee up the stairs. The surface should be clear, so head there. Now we are off. Then, right, sorry, what happened? Uh, We happened upon you just as you were having an altercation with Putrid Lax, and so we slew him, but you were already unconscious. (sighs) Then, have... How long have I been unconscious? Less than 30 minutes, I would imagine. (sighs) Unfortunate. Uh, uh, Has... Is my brother okay? Is the abbot fine? Indeed. We rescued him from the freed and undead moments after we slew the uh, necromancer who was responsible for your torture. Did you free those that he had contained in his contraption? Uh, Not as of yet, though we have retrieved the emerald. Uh, No, uh, the 
the gem contains people as well. He was able to store souls there. I thought that he was only able to store them inside his choir. As he had oh. done to benevolence and Ooh, I killed those ones. Kelvin. To Sedney, Katya, and Edmund. If you mean did we end the undead menace those brains and jars represented, then yes, that has also been accomplished. Yeah, I fully like shattered those. Sorry? Thank be to the Triadrian. Finally there they are free. Just as a quick aside, like we were, so, that we do think the souls of people are stored in that emerald. I didn't remember that wrong, right? Yes, that's totally okay. where. The, okay. <laughs> well, no, that's like what that's where the light of soul went for the people yeah. who are like living. It's the life. it's the, not the souls, but the magic of the people in the town. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that is your understanding. Cool, cool. I was like, I thought maybe I had just like totally misremembered it. <laughs> Yeah, she was concerned about the choir because they were created yeah. from people from her past. Okay, good. Alright, as long as I got the plot correct here. That's that's the part that I was like, wait, did I get that super wrong? You have the plot that brought you here, correct. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Can you and Faileth both give me stealth checks for as you go up? I suppose. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I can give it to you. I don't want to. Do I have to? You don't have to, if you don't want to. (laughs) I got 12. Good. We're real close. If you don't want to, I will just use your... uh... I I mean, I got an 11. I'll use your passive stealth. (laughs) (laughs) What's passive? Just three? Your passive... No, no. No, your passive stealth is 13. Oh, well. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take the passive. And Faelith's is 12 anyway. Perfect. You make your way, carefully peeking behind corners, as you continue up. And as you come up, you are not beset by any necromancer. Excellent. Fancy. Our loud noise didn't draw the attention of Quarry and Jynjovin, huh? Uh, no. There was... Yeah, they did say to yell. I just didn't want to yell because I had to change form to make it unappreciable. <laughs> to have the lung power. <laughs> I was like, I'm oh no. very loud. Have you heard me? Uh, yes, but uh, Faileth, I do not have the facility with your tiny lungs that you do. I guess you got to be used to them. Plus, there is the accent to consider. I mean, I do hate it when you make fun of my accent, so. Mostly because I think you can do better if you tried harder. Perhaps. I'm pretty sure you're just doing it bad because it's funny. Are you going to take the children out, or are you going to go up into the abbey? I mean, the the idea was that we were going to come up the other stairway. So what I'll do, what I want to do is get them to like the surface area, and then yeah, I guess I'll send the children and Estrella out, and then continue up so that I can rendezvous with um, Quarry and Jovan the way that I said I would. Okay, uh, so you send Estrella and the children out, and they head into uh, one of the buildings to keep the children warm, and they are staying out there until you inform them that they need to come back. Cool. I'm hoping Corey has some lay on hands for Rob, which was why I have not done anything with his body stri- stri- uh, draped across my shoulders. 
Uh, and with that, uh, you come around until you find the stairs that go up, following the instructions, and you come up into the scriptorium. And this is about a minute after Kawari and the abbot have come into contact with Yovan and the other monk. The unnamed priest. So, the unnamed monk. What have the two of you, what has your small group been discussing before Melian and his group arrive? Oh, probably if there are any well-known hidey holes, any safe places that uh, the abbot might think to hide in a time of crisis that we should be checking. Jovan might have other ideas. The abbot explains that this building has been built very solidly. There are no secret passages that he knows of. And when he says that, the monk behind Jovan starts coughing. He just breaks into a coughing fit as if he is at the same place trying to hide laughter. And the abbot gives him a sharp look, and he quickly stops. And then he goes on to explain that there are a couple places you could hide away in some of the corners of some of the rooms. There are a couple various storerooms off to the sides, but that generally it's rather hard to hide in this abbey. If Melian and Faileth have found nothing and I have heard no sound, we shall have to continue our search. Once we've reunited with them, we can... Uh, make a plan for the remaining area. Yovan's going to interject. Um, there are more than in the brief time we've been here, we've stumbled into two of them. Secret passages. One was within your own quarters leading to the library. What concerns me is that there is evidence that the woman knew that it was there and sought it out. It's possible that she'd found it during her time here, but it's also possible that they came with knowledge about the Abbey that its inhabitants did not have. They likely know this place better than yourself. They were looking for some very specific things. What do you mean? You mean that there's, there's a passageway into my own room? From the library. What? It's quite convenient. And as you're saying that, uh, you see Melian with Romp slung over his shoulder and Faileth in tow come up the stairs into the scriptorium. Into the scriptorium. Romp? Uh, Romp? What happened to him? What's happened? I uh, suspect we are less secure than we than we thought, as two members of the Red Exiles showed up in the uh, crypt. Not crypt. What do I want? The catacombs. And I believe they knocked Romp out and stole the papers he was carrying. The Red Exiles are assisting the Cult of Bliss. This is not good news. I do not... Well, I do not know whether these members of the Red Exiles still are members of the Red Exiles. I was of the impression that the entire company had been wiped out. So these former members, uh, they were a couple when I knew them. Hmm. So they are. However, one of them was very pale and I suspect may have been reanimated 
despite his cons- ah. his uh, still being the man I recalled. Perhaps they have taken on a second career as cultists. Perhaps. They still wore their mercenary garb, just without the Red Exiles crossed flags. I will warn you that the man is a extremely skilled close combat fighter and the woman a halfling is uh, perhaps even more dexterous a spellcaster than when I knew her hmm. uh, Yovan's going to be immediately um, grabbing Robert and seeing what the damage is also Paladin yes the, the monk here has taken a quite a strong strike to the face I thought perhaps your lay on hands ability Ah, yes, of course. <clears throat> Corey will go over to where Jovan is and take a look at Romp to see how he's doing. And should I make, like, a medicine check to see how many of my limited number of hit points I should restore to him? Sure. I'll give you a how serious you think the injury is. Sure. Uh, that's a 16. So on a scale of... One to four use general uses of your lay on hands. You think that probably two. There's a pretty nasty uh, cut on the side of his face, uh, part of his cheek, uh, and some indentation all along the side, including a little bit that may have, where his skull might be a bit fractured. Okay, I'll give him five. You see part of it knit together. Uh, there's still a bit more, uh, but he looks like with rest and time, he'll probably recover. I mean, I have more to give him, but I'm still not sure where these other people are, so... If it turns out I don't need them, he can have them. The two necromancers, they slip past you? The, these cultists or the mercenaries or whatever they, they were? They just vanished. Indeed, I suspect they used some sort of uh, teleportation magic. They took Putrelax. Ah. And you said that they'd reanimated the other one, or the, the other, the second uh, one. I am unfamiliar with what they may have done. However, he did seem to still bear the wound that he bore, that he took the last I saw him, where I presumed him dead, and his skin was of an unnatural pallor. Cass, do I know what would account for that? Possibly. Give me a religion check. And we'll use that religion check to narrow down on the different types of undead that you think it possibly could be. That is an 18. So, thinking about the description that Melian has given, Mm -hmm. there's a couple different options. It's unlikely that he that it's a ghoul or a ghast. Mm-hmm. It sounded like the being was corporeal, so they're not a ghost of some kind. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they could be either, say, maybe a revenant, if they're being held here by some by a, some kind of revenge that they wanted to complete, or perhaps a white. It's possible that you also know that vampires have uh, an unnatural pallor. But he wouldn't still have his wound, right? 
you wouldn't think that he'd still have his wound. Right. But it would also depend, sort of, a revenant and a white are gen- and vampires are generally still maintain a really high level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. So we may need to deal with Putralax yet again down the road. So it would seem. Good, I will take pleasure in decapitating that man a second time. Not good. His name is horrible. Ah, but I can always use a little bit of humor as I fight. Well, they may still be in the Abbey, but it seems to me if they have the ability to vanish into thin air, it would be foolish of them to reappear here. They might not have a choice. Remember how we get access. It might not be their magic, but it might be the magic of the Abbey that allows it. Hmm. Uh, it seemed a bit too convenient for the timing of their disappearance that it wouldn't have been planned. I have a, a hunch and a guess. Bear with me, but... Abbot, would you be able to acquire for me a holy symbol from each of the Divine Triad? We don't have holy symbols that are dedicated to each of them alone. We only have our conjoined holy symbol, and he holds one that is hanging on a chain around his neck out to you. And you can see that it's fused together like the one up in the chapel. When you say fused together, (laughs) how closely is it fused together? Built out of one piece? One piece. Only near the beginning, when the chapel was first being founded, was the order still separated partially and sequestered into almost smaller subsects devoted to each the triad of the celestial triad but now it is over the years as it has waned and the flare dealt a considerable blow a few hundred years ago if the records are to be correct it we've become one single order and there are no relics of that time that still exist here None that I know of, at least in the sections of the Abbey that I have been. Perhaps further in the catacombs, then. Perhaps. Well, Soul, both you and I can satisfy that, so we... If we can acquire a symbol of each of the other two, then... The bull that I showed you down Hmm. in the chambers. There was a banner near the top where a similar image of the night star of the night sky being made Uh, I want to see if we can recreate it ah you speak of the ordering of the of the night there is a tapestry of it in the observatory above I pass through when we're attempting to seek out the necromancers it caught my eye as there is another hidden from Yulvin tries to say as diplomatically as possible you see his nostrils flare with anger as he realizes that more secrets of the abbey has been have been revealed without him being there or his knowledge quickly moving on to along the subject uh, is a was a room with a shrine old very old with each of the three of the triad reaching up empty-handed towards a painted mural on the ceiling 
and beneath it on the shrine a bowl which reflected a, a symbol of the triad that was not on the ceiling uh, there's some magic to it and it reminds me of scrying is this mirrors. room beyond the barrier no it's in the room where the edge of the barrier could be that is impossible I have seen I have been through that entire level of the catacombs I know that there are no rooms like you speak of why would there be a hidden shrine perhaps you could give some insight would you come with me of course Jovan yes what do you hope to learn? While this mystery seems interesting, I fear we have more pressing matters. It's, uh, I guess, uh, but I think it may be something that may allow us to scry, to see something hidden, or to perhaps track the location. Hmm. The inscription, uh, quoting from memory, but it was, spoke of the gaze of the three gods and unveiling I it's a it's a nothing substantial but I can't think of any other way that we can get a glimpse as to where they may have gone hmm. that sounds like a good idea perhaps while you investigate that I can and Cory will turn to the abbot is there anyone who can tell me more about what the cultists were doing here? Everything is a fuzz and a blur. But I do know that we were working in shifts every night, charting the stars for them. That is what the woman wanted. Well, Putrelax. And then his eyes go wide. My sister! Where is my sister? Is she okay? She is in an outbuilding with the children. Oh, good, good. It seems she was not under control. Perhaps she will be better able to tell me more of what I wish to know. She was sequestered with that necromancer down in the catacombs for the, almost the entirety once he had discovered that she was here. Hmm. They seemed to have some connection in the past yes perhaps whatever they had us looking at the telescopes are still fixed upon it or the charts that we were laying out are still there who would be able to help me understand the the equipment or the charts uh, any one of us could brother why don't you accompany this one. I would like to see to my sister and the children. Once I have seen my sister and the children, then I will be happy to accompany you into the depths. So, and with that, what would you guys like to do? Uh, Quarry would like to go up to the observatory and see what they can learn about what the Cult of Bliss was trying to do here, but I don't know whether there's value to role-playing that, or if you just want to tell me what Quarry would find, because it's, the Quarry doesn't know how to use any of the equipment or read the chart, so it's just going to be the priest or monk telling them. 
what they think. The monk points out that until night falls, we won't be able to use the telescopes to look at what they're tra- they were trying to see. Okay. Then so we Corey have a few will... hours before dark. Okay. Uh, then Cory will follow along with um, the abbot and Jovan and, and maybe Million Vale. Ah, uh, so your group. I then assume if you're just going to follow the abbot until you can descend into the lower reaches, uh, we'll head out to one of the outbuildings. Uh, you, when the doors open and the abbot looks in, uh, he says, Estrella! Matthew! Cole! Oh, children! And uh, Estrella looks to him and goes, Sabor, what, what have you gotten yourself into? And gives him a hug. And as she is giving him a hug, she opens her eyes and looks up and sees Quarry and goes, Quarry? Estrella. I am... (laughs) I am very surprised to see you. And I am surprised to see you. I'm glad that you... Well, I would like to say I'm glad that I have found you well, but I'm afraid that circumstances are not what we would all like. Melian is giving the paladin a very perplexed, like, excuse me? <laughs> look. But he doesn't say anything. I am... I am both surprised and not that you are amongst those that freed me from Martin's grip. This is the second time that you have saved me from him. I did not think to see him again. Nor you, for that matter. But I am glad that uh, that you are still alive. When you put me onto that ship in Surindar, I did say that I would be heading to Barrowman's. That I had family here. And she reaches out and gives uh, the abbot a squeeze on the arm. I had thought that I could continue my study of the flare here in quiet seclusion. But it seems like it was just fate or chance I was here when Martin and the necromancers arrived. If you feel up to it, do you think that you could answer some of our questions? If I can, I will be happy to. But perhaps not in front of the children. Yes. Uh, Sabor, can you see to it that us, uh, some, uh, some of the monks... Uh, put together some food for the children and find appropriate accommodation to put them in. If I remember correctly, infirmary should have enough beds for them. We can change it into to, to keep them here at least until we can reunite them with... And she pauses, a look of sadness coming on her face. We will need to speak with their parents next of kin and their guardians. Cory looks disappointed at that. They were... Despite having searched a lot of the abbey, they were hopeful that they were going to find at least some of the parents alive. And the abbot says that he will quickly see to it, and he sends one of the monks in with the children following in tow to go and find some food for them and to get them settled. And Estrella says, I'm happy to answer any questions, but you looked like you were heading somewhere. Uh, Yes, my... 
friend Jovan has a theory about one of the rooms that we discovered in the catacombs. But perhaps you would accompany us. Although I would understand if you did not wish to return to that spot. I would see to it that I gather my research. Martin had taken a portion of it. My notes should be mixed amongst his. Hmm. There is every chance that the Red Exile, that uh, Klystock and Salsglove have stolen what notes there were. Years of research. I hope that we can find at least some. And barring that, I hope that they never found my diary. And you descend into the catacombs, and what questions would your group like to ask the abbot and Estrella on the way? Uh, first off, we should probably send somebody to go get the uh, the monk we left at the entrance of the cave. Mm. And maybe if he saw here if he saw anything. Mostly so he's just not sitting there all night. I'm so glad you thought of that. <laughs> Poor guy. The abbot barks an order, and one of the monks goes and grabs a pony, and starts to... No, he goes and grabs a donkey, and begins to slowly ride the donkey down. He will go and collect the monk. You give him instructions to find to where the monk should be. Um, and I might also inquire if they have any tools that they use to maintain telescopes, um, precise tools, spare lenses, that sort of thing. Which... Uh, the abbot is quick to tell you that they have many spares. Uh, it is, and that they craft the majority of their own tools here. We were able to get a shopping list in order to um, put together a. Sorry. Um, but, a uh, zone of control? That's the one. Yep, a zone of methodical control. Yep, you are able to get a shopping list put together, and another monk gets sent off to go and help collect those. If they make their own tools, I don't know enough about making holy symbols, but are they. Would it be possible to get them to make something? that Jovan could use? They could perhaps with time make mm. appropriate symbols, but they may also have religious compunctions based off of their order for why they may not make a specific symbol rather than their order's conjoined symbol. Okay. Uh, Melian will ask both Estrella and the Abbot whether or not either of them knows what to do with this emerald that we may free the souls contained within it. The abbot looks at it in utter horror when you it's say that still, there are souls contained within it. Still, it's still not souls. Melian is so <laughs> bad at keeping track of what's up, what's what. It is the magic of the people of Berriman's. Yeah, it's the thing that's making them all ghosty. I will pray to the celestial triad at dusk. Perhaps if at that prayer, we learn from them what can be done. You will have the path to free them. Ooh, Melian's the gonna give the guy a disbelieving brain. look like, oh, yeah. Uh -huh. That'll help. I'm gonna be doing some studies uh, this afternoon on the equipment that Putrelax left behind on the bull in the room and on the emerald. Maybe we'll be able to find some answers there. 
when the abbot says that he can just pray to be given like detailed instructions on how to release magic from a gem and return it to people quarry kind of looks at them with renewed respect like wow i do not get such clear answers i'm so impressed with you because it'll totally work uh-huh. that's why he's not believe right? it a hundred percent i'm just a lowly paladin what do i know it was by the grace of the celestial triad, specifically by soul's divine light, that we were able to keep the undead at bay for so long. Yep. Totally that. A hundred percent. May soul continue to protect us all. all of his turn undead by the time you guys <laughs> arrived. I wondered about that. Yep, I'm not skeptical. I, yeah, I don't know how cleric's spell works. I'm like, sure, sure, man. All right, if you say so. Felt more like it was by the, you know, skin of our teeth. But, you know, light of soul, whatever. Religion, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> do you guys have more questions? I do. No. Um, Estrella, there are many things that I hope to gain a greater understanding of, but I do not understand the connection between the flare and the cult of bliss what interest would the necromancers have in it it did not seem to be a widespread interest she begins to say it i think stems from martin's madness his desire to see the flare utilized as a weapon one to cull those he considers weak It seems that in his years since he began to dabble in necromancy and since Surandar, he has slipped farther into madness and into, clearly, the cult that introduced him to it. Likely, I think that it was something that he was working on himself that he hoped to bring before his superior. When it could be brought to fruition, he had grand plans to infuse it with necromantic energies that those it might kill would rise Quarry gives a bit of a shudder that is a terrifying thought there are already those that when exposed to it can be driven mad if they were able to be turned all of them including those that were dead and controlled Especially with another contraption like those that he trapped. Like those that he trapped. In the jars? Yes, that he trapped Benevolence, Kelvin, Sedani, Katina, Edmund, even Gregory. Not Gregory, no! Gregory! <laughs> It seemed that he was working on partly maintaining their minds so that he could tap them for the, uh, their knowledge of the flare, but also to spread a, a web of control. Cass, do I remember those names as the people that went missing in Surandar? Yes. Oh, yuck. Ugh. Remember, I'm... the majority of the ones what you found the bodies of were headless. Yeah. I am gr- glad that they are free. It has been a long time for them. Their souls go to rest. Yes. 
Faelith and I are happy to have done the freeing. I thank you from the bottom I of my heart. I smashed those brains in the jackers. If there is anything that I can do, please let me know. I am in your debt. If it doesn't trouble you to think of it, could you perhaps tell us of the first few days of when the priests arrived? If there was only six, six or eight of them, six of them, if there's only six of them, how did they establish such complete control over you and the brothers and sisters here? There were ten. We are few in number. In total, if you include Matthew and Cole, the two orphans that are being raised by the Abbey, there are a total of nine of us. They had powerful magic. Many of the monks here are individuals that have turned away from a life of, in the past, say, unfortunate incidents that wish to put behind violence and turn towards the better pursuits, the soul. As such, they were easily able to subdue us and... If that was not enough, they quickly took control of the ghosts that inhabited the Abbey, as well as of some few of the undead, of the, of the dead, animating them quickly to subdue us. We first welcomed them with open arms, thinking as they said that they were just travelers, but it became apparent very quickly. In those first few days, after they had assumed, had subdued us, they, our minds became fogged. They placed crowns upon our heads. Estrella says that they did not place a crown upon her head, but that was at the behest of Martin, and she was quickly sequestered to the area in the catacombs and chained there and stuck there for days only allowed brief periods of movement to relieve herself and to sleep they quickly raised undead that were more powerful and then they turned to multiple pursuits Putrelax began constructing his machine. Well, the carnal Lady Vixenius, their undisputed leader of this expedition, she ripped the magic from everyone in Barrowman's. I don't know why she didn't rip it from us, but perhaps it was because of the distance or that she couldn't accidentally have it rip the magic from her own men. Shortly after Putrelax's machine was constructed, they began to assault the barrier. They brought me into lucidity multiple times, and other members of the Order to torture us. They seemed to think that the barrier could be brought down, that we should have known how to bring the barrier down. But it is not something that I knew or that was passed to me when I became the abbot. 
Other than that, we would sleep for a portion of the day in shifts. Some would be sent into town to gather bodies for experimentation, and the others at night would in shifts draw charts of the stars, various points and constellations, of which ones I don't know. It's all a blur. What type of experimentation? I didn't know that you could torture and use the emotions drawn from torture to fuel terrifying undead. Kawari know that? You don't know exactly what he's talking about, but you wouldn't put it past the Cult of Bliss. Kawari looks deeply unsettled. You have heard and seen various horrors. So that is what they did with the parents? Yes. The majority of the undead went north with the three necromancers, Vixenius included, that left. They had drawn up the spirit of some of the old monks. Monks from many years ago, from near the beginning of the founding, the Abbey. And after they heard from whatever they heard from them, they went north, and another group went south. All I know is that Putrilax was to remain behind here, as well as the other necromancers. If he could not get through the barrier to ensure that the abbey was rubble, and that nothing remained of it. I personally think that he would have remained here conducting his experiments as long as possible. Once Vixenius had left, Putrilax became the undisputed ruler. Vixenius went north, and Graves went south. What did they need the children for? The children were gathered only after uh, they had left. They were part of Putrilex's experiments. Estrella starts to speak up. And this is just as you're entering into Putrilex's laboratory. Putrilex... Martin. I will not call him that name. Had a theory... A theory that the barrier was only to keep out those of impure or not fully devoted to the Order. He had tried to send the monks through the barrier, but they had all failed. So he then turned to innocence. He was going to, and did test on multiple occasions, having children press into the multiple entrances through the barrier... And it did seem to strain the barrier. It caused considerable strain to it when he unleashed energy against it. A bolt from his machine. And so I think that he was just gathering more and more children in the hopes that he could strain the barrier enough that his bolt would destroy it, break it, fray it. His plans afterwards... I am thankful he was not successful. As you enter into this room, the abbot looks around, and he looks and he sees where the barrier has frayed and is broken. You can still see thin tendrils of its power in certain sections of the wall, but it is tattered and broken. Truly, it is down. Then whatever it has protected, 
is open to the world. Oh yes, we have been back there. Have you explored its depths completely? I was going to keep the grave robbing on the down low, but... It is not grave robbing. The grave was full of offers. Yeah, the ghost we were fully robbed. let me take them. We were gifted things. Yeah, he said we could have them. The abbot looks like he's going to swoon or faint, and then sort of just draws himself up. You see him steeple his hands, and he goes, If a spirit wished for you to have it, then I am sure that it is the benevolence of the celestial triad that has chosen this course of action. Uh, indeed, we went to no special efforts to bring the barrier down. In fact, it seemed to drop as soon as we approached. Yeah, and then the ghost boy come and told me that his father wanted to talk to me. And then his father gave us the bones, so we didn't steal them. They were a gift. You can't have them. They're mine now. Uh, we did leave some bones behind. He pales again and goes, Was it the bones of the first abbots? Of the four brothers? Oh, no. No. Vito something. Vitor, Lord Vitor. I suspect the bones Kaelin. of the first abbots bear no special powers. Yovan, with the note that he said that there are the bones of the first abbots, you do remember an earlier comment saying that in the beginning of the order, there... They split into three and had their own holy ass symbols. Yes. Yes. Already on it. <laughs> I don't know what you actually said, but what I heard you say is they had their own holy ass symbols. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they yeah, did their own that's not holy ass did. symbols. Huh. Holy symbols. <laughs> no, no, holy ass symbols is totally fine. I'm just <laughs> pleased is. that that's what you said. Like you said. <laughs> I just wanted to recognize how badass you sounded when you said it. That's all I'm saying. Can somebody remind me if we all know the contents of the letters or if it was only Yovan that read them? What letters? Uh, the two letters to Putrelax. Yeah, what letters? <laughs> okay. I did a quick I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, I thought... Yeah, I, I, I didn't, like, read them out, like, word for word, but I gave the summary of what they contained. Right. And you still have them. I assumed you just gleaned that from, like, evidence. I didn't know you read a letter. I was busy. <laughs> no, fair enough, okay. Estrella crosses the room and she begins to leaf through some of the pages that are still on the table and she goes, my research is still here. They must have only taken the body. No, there was definitely rifling through whatever romp was holding, which I thought I remembered oh. was all the research pages that Yovan had gathered and then handed off to romp while we went off to, to you know, hero. There were a few pages of note, but... When Robert comes to, he can give us perhaps a better inventory of what it was that he had collected. Well, I do see some of my notes here, and she begins to order them. Uh, it will take me some time to gather everything. Uh, please go about your business. Let us know if you find anything you think would be important. I will. Abbott, do you have any idea why... The destruction of the Journal of Pedrig Tenor would be important to these cultists. 
of the four Tenorian brothers. Padraig, it was said that he was the one who originally founded the abbey and drew them together. He was a great, powerful man, who first envisioned the Celestial Triad joined together for this purpose, is what was passed down to me. He, along with his three brothers, Astoran, Harmadin, and Corvus, it was said that they were adventurers before they settled here. So I, I do not know. Do you know where we would find such a thing? His crypt and his brother's crypts are not in the catacombs proper. My thoughts is that they were beyond the barrier. Hmm. Which would explain why they tried to break the town. Would you object to my seeking to read the journal? Will it aid you in the destruction of the undead? And to purge... I will not know until we have read it, but the fact that the cult wished the information destroyed, I think, may be significant. Then yes. There is cause and reason to disturb the rest of the founders of the Order. We will disturb as little as we can. I give you my blessing. Jovan. Uh, perhaps when you are finished here, you will... Assist me with, uh... You're a quicker reader than I am. I'd like to do... A quick survey of the crypts. For the... Work here beginners. I thought perhaps I might leave the abbot with... The room we'd spoken of. Perhaps he can... Spend some time getting acquainted with... Learn a little bit about... Learn a little more about the abbey of the witch. The abbot is happy to be shown to the other small room and he you see him touching the statues and then he kneels and begins to pray I would appreciate some time with this javelin I suspect there is more to it than I yet know (laughs) perhaps you would watch over Estrella and the abbot while we go further into the catacombs they will only be hurt over my dead body I hope such an extremity does not come to pass. I mean, wouldn't be the first time. And with that, our two group, our group will separate into two. Quarry and Yovan walking down past where the barrier once protected into these ancient tunnels. Heading hopefully towards what they think will be the crypts of the four brothers. While Melian... Wait a moment. Rewind. Faileth, where are you? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Am I allowed to go down into the crypt? Oh, if you'd like. (laughs) We don't really need to split up here, do we? You don't. You... you... Well, Melian wanted to take the rest to attune to his javelin. I mean, but, uh, so arrest doesn't mean you have to be stationary. It just means you have to be, uh, like, you can be up and walking. You just can't be doing much else. If, unless I totally misunderstand. Rest is sleep, eat, tend wounds, refresh minds, 
Mm. and brace themselves. It's the long rest that has a portion of it, I think, that... Yeah, the oh, long so rest long is rest, your... All our cool stuff from 11 on up. <laughs> True. Some of us have third level spells now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember, you specifically can already use one of those third level spells. One of them, yes. I've got, like, major illusion now. And bestow curse! I want to oh, bestow gosh, curses. <laughs> also, I still only have 15 hit points. <laughs> If anyone cares about that. Would you guys like to split up? Or... Or we all take a long rest and face it in the morning. If... I think my only concern with that is Jovan was saying that he was going to set up the thing to maybe scry the people to see where they were and if they're nearby, Quarry wants to go kill them. Which is probably not practical because, you know, we're all low on the things that we can do and have reduced hit points. I am. I'm out of rages, although in a short rest won't even fix that. But, guys, I cannot cannot overemphasize how awesome this spear is if you'll just let me learn about it so that I can tell you about it. Also, I have 15 hit points and two first level spells. No second level spells. No third level spells. I mean, I hear you and I definitely see the... Out of game, I see the benefits of us all taking a long rest, and it probably makes a lot of sense. But in character, Quarry is going to be hard to persuade to take eight hours to hang out when they think that the, you know they have a chance of catching those necromancers. For what it's worth, I don't think there's going to be any combat encounters in the next little bit. Like we can we can do a little tour of the catacombs, come back. And then reassess where we are. Um, like, if Faileth and Melian really wanted to take uh, sleep, they probably could. It's just also then a question of whether Sasha and Brian want to not engage in part of the action for a tiny bit. I mean, I really, my two objections are, I mean, obviously Melian is genuinely interested in this javelin. But also, I don't know that my character is going to be of any use to you as you tour the catacombs, because we've we've pretty much tapped out his knowledge about catacombs about 20 minutes into the first time we were into the catacombs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Like, what we have coming up is we're going to read a book. We're going to find a book, and then we're going to read it, and then we're going to study maybe. a room and maybe find out some more information. Ugh, so Fail us out. The only thing that I will say is you're heading towards, uh, you're heading towards crypts, and... (laughs) You're trying to find necromancers. You're heading towards crypts. You're trying, you're, you're heading towards early crypts, theoretically, and... And Faileth talks to ghosts. That I do. (laughs) If there are ghosts, Faileth talks to ghosts. Yeah. Final goal. I'm coming to you. Don't make me do any reading. <laughs> uh, and for figuring out the javelin, I, I wouldn't actually attune to you, but I, like, I'm going to be setting up the um, methodical control zone, which would give us all the information about it. The one thing to remember about methodical control is it takes one hour to set up, which yeah. means Melian could, could just attune... attune yeah. Me- wow. well, so Melian could attune to it, and then your methodical control would actually tell him all the other things about it. 
because if I remember correct, when you attune, you can either attune or learn command words, I think. Uh, if I remember correct, it's actually it's, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, with the methodical control, we'd be able to have both within the same hour. Then. Yeah, you'd have both within the same hour. But it would mean putting off attuning to it in a little bit. Yeah, but this one doesn't have essentially. I don't remember. Did I give this one a command word? No. Okay. So I mean, in, in I while I don't, I theoretically I don't actually know. Honestly, what would happen is if Faileth declares that she's going with them. Melian would just wistfully look at the, the javelin and then put it back in his javelin pouch and be like, supposed to follow the girl. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, the and, and with that, the whole party will begin to head off down past these barri- past the barrier uh, where the barrier used to stand into a long tunnel lined with burial niches on either side. You come to the edge of where the torches have been lit so far. Only one more direction remains. And with that, we'll end tonight's session. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, Please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. I swear I didn't sit up and play with this so... <laughs> Quarry's bossiness will tone down when we're not dealing with the undead, I swear. I think it's not quite so bad. We have a pretty good, healthy power dynamic within the party. Uh, if... Like, someone's gotta be in charge. <laughs> and and you are taking a lot of notes. Yeah, and and what's actually I think what's interesting is that uh, when it comes down to combat, you, everyone tends to bow to to Melian because Melian will automatically be like, "Hey, everybody, let's do this." Um, so it, I don't I don't think I have ever felt that you've been specifically very bossy. No, you take charge of like, oh, we better find this stuff out. Yovin takes charge of, huh? I wonder what's over here. Melian <laughs> takes charge of, hey, let's kill this. And Faileth goes, wait, where was I? Oh, look, I found something <laughs> terrible. Hooray! So. <laughs> okay, good. As long as everybody else is having fun. Out of character, we got a good niche. In character, if any one of us had really strenuous, like, we need to do X, I feel like the rest of the party would, would work along with it. Yeah. I also think, I also do want to point out that I'm not making fun of your accent, Thatcha. Oh, I know, but Faileth is very insulted. I also know that you can do a very good Scottish accent. Yes, but Melian can't. Well, I know because I established that earlier. (laughs) Which Which is why Faileth is insulted, but Sasha thinks it's funny. That's very. I was like, what? And I honestly, it's harder to do a bad one than it (laughs) is. I'm loving all of Melian's voices. It's so good. I didn't intend for him to be quite so, um, like, 
humorously dri driven, but I, it occurred to me that like he couldn't. His charisma is only one, so like his ability to fool people and his intelligence and wisdom are eight and ten respectively. So like he thinks he's doing a great job. <laughs> I am replicating your voice flawlessly, he thinks. Um, <laughs> and then Phelus like that's not what my voice sounds like. And instead of being like, oh, that's a critique, um, Melian actually has the thought of like, well, well, I guess you know people's voices sound different when they're not spoken by them. <laughs> So true. It's different when it's not inside your own head. <laughs> but Freyla's inner bard is going, no, that's not how we do it. Uh, also, somebody, I heard Mickey Mouse at some point, and I was very excited. Yes, right. so I don't know if I told you guys, but my watch, and I didn't do this on purpose, but my watch, if you tap, I put on the Mickey Mouse face instead of yes. the other face that I had. And it turns out if you tap it, He'll actually here. I'll hold up the microphone and see if I can. So if you touch them, watch. Yay! So he'll tell me what time it is. That's incredible. I love it. It made me very happy. I just wanted to say I heard Mickey Mouse and was <laughs> very happy. Yes, I like it very much. And I'm also so happy. I pulled off that that I was I no. Uh, Brian, I have been sitting waiting to use CC and mm. Tybalt for like well, I, I think yeah, about I don't know if, fifteen sessions. I was like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know, but I like I pull this thing open every every time we play. I, I pull this thing open and like go through it to make sure that I'm pretty current on all the stuff. And I noticed like two, like maybe five or six sessions ago that my list of NPCs had gotten bigger, and I was like, oh okay. So I don't like then I started including them in the like interesting facts and then i noticed that the interesting facts were showing up the npc thing and i was like okay cool so i definitely need to open this every session and like be reading it <laughs> because like a new dude showed up and i was like oh hey apparently the girl i kissed got a husband like just like <laughs> it was yes. very good i'm just like slowly adding things in Slowly, just mm -hmm. i'll just keep adding this in until i've got enough npcs that i can oh you think this one's dead no I am really loving how both Jovan and Melian now are like, but wait, I thought you were dead. What are you doing here? And I cannot wait for people to pop out of Quarry's past. The problem with Freylith is that everyone from her past was dead when she met them. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, Faelith won't have that same one. No. It will be a very different problem in relation to NPCs when it comes Faelith's time. Hit that one ghost. I'm trying to think of who in Quarry's backstory is dead, and I think it's only Quarry's parents, so that would be like floored, shocked, cannot function levels of craziness if they turned out they weren't dead. With the amount of like characters in my backstory that were dead before the campaign started, um, I've expected that most of it would be like speaking to them through Faileth, so legitimately running it to to romp um, to remove our heart. I mean, I just... You thought it would be safe if they were dead already, but no. But no. 